He's a justifying God. He's a sanctifying God. He's a saving God. He's a redeeming God. He's a God that raises the dead. He is our God. He's worthy of all praises. So let's give him a hand clap of praise. Let's praise him like nothing else we have done before. This is the only reason why we're here. The only reason why we're here. Because he has been good to us. Even though we don't deserve it. So we come to praise him. We come to worship him. We come to glorify him. We come to magnify him. I come to praise him. I come to praise him. Woo, thank you, Jesus. Woo, thank you, Jesus. I was listening to a, a, a pastor this, this morning as I listened and I was, and he was saying uh, that, you know, we have one chance to get it right and that's this life here. And I don't think that a lot of, I know a lot of non-Christians don't realize when we talk about the subject of being away from this world that there is another life. This isn't the end of anything. So I know a lot of times you say, well, I'm going to do what I do with this life, and then if I'm dead, it doesn't matter anyhow. But let me tell you, yes, it does matter, because there is another life. It is either with God or it is without God. But there is another life. The word death is simply being separation. It doesn't mean annihilation. It means separation. Wherever we are in this world or next, we're going to live forever. It depends on where we live forever at. That's why I'm so passionate about letting people know how we can get saved and what it means to have a relationship with Jesus. Because when this is over, it's over. There is no other chance. Amen? Well, for today's message, I, I, I think most of you will agree with me that there has been times in our lives when we thought we were absolutely right about a situation, a circumstance, or a person, and later found out we were wrong. It is wise to listen and hold back and study and think before we make any accusations, before we think that what we know is absolutely right, because the truth of the matter is a lot of times we are wrong. When we find out we are wrong, we simply go and hide somewhere. Amen, somebody. I know because I have learned from my mistakes. Now, to have this kind of dogmatic attitude toward a situation or a person, I call it having a Pharisaic mind, a Pharisaic mindset, or a mind of a Pharisee, as you read in the Gospels, or most of you read in the Gospels. But to the Pharisees' credit, they were well grounded in the scriptures and were writing a lot of things containing God's word. But they really didn't know God, nor did they know Jesus. They thought they did. It's like a man today think they do, but they really didn't. 
But let me assure you that God knows those who are his. And one of the things that kept them from knowing either of them was simply ignorance. And it is one of the things that keep people today from a relationship with God and his son Jesus. Now it is not possible uh, to know all the things of God. Nobody knows that, nor will ever know. But it is possible to have a relationship with him. That's possible for anybody to have a relationship with God. There's simply no excuse. And today we want to see how to break through this Pharisaic mindset or this mind of a Pharisee, this mind of knowing all, doing the outer things that look good, but there's no life on the inside. Because it's a life on the inside which connects us with God. All the things that we do on the outside are good and God likes them. But in order to reach the Heavenly Father, in order to break through to what people say those pearly gates, you must, you must have a close personal relationship with His Son Jesus Christ. There is no other way. If someone says there's another, another way, they are lying according to God's word, which we go by. Amen, somebody. I'll just say amen because it's the truth. You see, we can know God's word from Genesis to Revelation and do all kinds of good deeds in the name of the church, pay our tithes on a regular basis be dedicated to different organizations within the church and outside the church for the good of the Lord and still not have a relationship with him. You can't get in God's favor by doing great things. He loves it, and he wants it done, and he thanks you for it, but you can't get in his favor by doing that. What God listens to is those who have a relationship with his son Jesus. And his ears are always open, his eyes are always open to them. He has mercy on those, but his children are those who have a close relationship with his son Jesus. Hmm. And the cause just might be that some of us have a Pharisaic mindset. And the seeds of ignorance might be trying to grow within us. Now today as we look at our text, we want to change all of this and, and not give those seeds a chance to grow within us. If you want something to grow, you have to water it and feed it. Amen. We don't want to feed the seeds of ignorance. We don't want it to grow within us. And so today I want to talk with you about with using as my title, if I may, combating the seeds of ignorance. Combating the seeds 
of ignorance. Now, let me say that one more time. Combating the seeds of ignorance. Our text will be the Gospel of John, chapter 7, verses 45 through 52. And in verses 45 through 49, we want to look at a Pharisaic mindset. And in verses 50 through 52, we want to look at a breakthrough. I'm going to ask Minister Lloyd if he will come at this time and read our text for today. While he was coming, I asked that you would turn off all your cell phones or whatever electronic quick, quick, uh, equipment that you have on you. And I asked that you would try to stay awake. Amen, somebody? <laughs> Minister Lloyd, please. Uh, John chapter 8, I'm sorry, chapter 7. And verses 45 through 52. Entitled, Unbelief of the Jewish Authorities. And again, once you have it, please stand on your feet in reverence for the Word of God. Do I have a hold on? And I will read unto your hearing. When the guards went back to the chief priests and the Pharisees, when the guards went back, the chief priests and the Pharisees asked them, Why did you not bring him? The guards answered, Nobody has ever talked the way this man does. Did he fool you too? The Pharisees asked them. Have you ever known one of the authorities or one of the Pharisees to believe in him? This crowd does not know the law of Moses, so they are under God's curse. One of the Pharisees there was Nicodemus, the man who had gone to see Jesus before. He said to the others, According to our law, we cannot condemn people before hearing them and finding out what they have done. Well, they answered, are you also from Galilee? Study the scriptures and you will learn that no prophet ever comes from Galilee. Amen. Amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Father God, we thank you for this time, and now God, we ask that your name might be glorified and magnified through the Holy Scriptures. We ask God that you would use me to give you glory. And now God, I release myself into your hands so that you might have your way with me. I ask, oh God, that a word I speak, that it comes from you, oh God. And now God, help me, help me to glorify you and magnify you today. In the blessed name of Jesus, I say thank you and amen. Now before we take a look at this Pharisaic mindset, there's a little something we need to know about the Pharisees in Jesus' time. The word Pharisee simply means the separated ones. That tells you a lot about them already. The separated ones. They were a Jewish group that upheld the oldest traditions of Israel, and they were steeped in the law of Moses. And although they knew the law of Moses and were so-called biblical scholars, 
of the law. They were also blind to a lot of spiritual things. They were concerned with the outward righteousness and the self-justification before men instead of forming an intimate relationship with God. They were concerned about their own self more than they was about having a relationship with God. You know how some people who always wants their name unknown, always wants to lift them up. Well, the truth of the matter is nobody gets lifted up but God. If you want your flowers here, then you're surely not going to get them in heaven. Amen, somebody. We are nothing without God. Our titles are nothing without God. It doesn't matter if you're in the pulpit or you're down washing toilets up. We're all on the same team and we're all servants of God. No more and no less, that's what we are. Nobody gets special treatment. Everybody is the same in God's eyes. The Pharisees missed this for they walked around with their long robes on and tassels around the head talk about how much they knew and I, I know the, the law of the, of the Lord and, and we're special people. We are separated ones. Let us look at our text for a moment. Verses 45, 49 says, when the gods, now we must understand that these gods are actually Levites. Levites were in charge of the, of the temple precincts. It says, when the gods went back, the chief priests and the Pharisees asked them, why did you bring him? The gods answered. And they answered him, nobody has ever talked the way that this man does. Nobody has ever talked the way that this man does. Uh, Jesus had a habit of, of talking with authority. You know, the other prophets and all those who come down the line and say, well, God did this, and God said do this, and God said do that. Jesus says, I tell you. I tell you this, and I tell you to do that, and I tell you. He speaks on his authority, which comes from God, but he's authoritative. Nobody can stand in front of Jesus and be the same when they leave. Amen. Nobody can stand in front of Jesus and leave the same way as him. And I challenge, and I challenge someone else when I was you know, uh, on my job, I challenge another person, I said, I challenge you, I double dare you, I triple dare you to read the Gospel of John with an open mind and come back and tell me that Jesus is not God. I challenge anybody to do that with an open mind. And so they said, why did you bring him? <laughs> they had no choice but to bring him. Because once Jesus started speaking, once the one who created the heaven and earth, once the one who created you, once the one that everything you see was made by him, once he starts to speak, you have to listen. 
You have to listen. You might not want to agree with him, but you have to listen that there's something special about this person. Nobody has ever spoken like that to me before. There's something about what he said. Even when you're reading the scriptures and you're reading and praying the scriptures and you stop reading and say there's something about them words that they're life-giving words that jump out of the page at me they enter into my heart and my soul and, and I'm just having problems controlling myself as I read through the word of God. Nobody has ever talked the way this man does. Nobody. Jesus talked with authority. Now the Pharisees answered these Levite gods, and we see the seeds of ignorance that spews out of their mouth, and they say, Did he fool you too? <laughs> Did he fool you too? The Pharisees asked them, have you ever known one of the authorities or one of the Pharisees to believe in him? This crowd does not know the law of Moses, so they are under God's curse. Now you must understand, these are biblical scholars who know the law, who know God, and yet they don't know. They think they know. There's so many times when we think we know, when we really don't know. We won't say that we won't know because it makes us look bad. Because we want to be able to know everything. Newsflash, we don't know everything. Nor will we ever know everything. We are just lucky, or I shouldn't say lucky, we are just blessed to be here. Now the definition of ignorance is a lack of knowledge or information. That's simply what it means. A lack of knowledge and a lack of information. The Pharisees had some knowledge, but they didn't have it all. They had some information, but they didn't have the critical information, which they could have had if they just studied. Amen. Bible studies. Now, it doesn't mean that the person is dumb and cannot learn. It doesn't mean that at all. What it means, they just don't have the knowledge or the information. But they can get it. If they want to get it, they can get it. These Pharisees just did not take the time to educate themselves about Jesus. After all, who is this person that's coming here? Who's, who's actually drawing the people away from us and taking our life, our living away from us. Who is he? We don't want to know about him because he, he's not doing us any good. If they had to take the time just to study and see where he really came from and who he really was, they would have fell on their knees and worshipped him. You see, the... Bible studies in our churches today should be full. They should be able to hold them down in Cobra Hall. Everybody needs to be reading and studying God's Word. So why, Pastor? Because it's the key to eternal life. 
You can't do better if you don't know better. And you know better by going to Bible study. And not only going by Bible study, but also reading the word for yourself every day. Why miss out on eternal life when it's available to us? Those who do not take advantage of learning about Jesus is like the person who the doctors say, I have a cure for your cancer. And we tell the doctor, no thanks. Or it's like the person driving on a flat tire when there's a spare tire in the trunk. These Pharisees wanted to remain ignorant and tied to the law of Moses, not realizing that Jesus fulfilled the very law they're talking about. And that they were the ones under the curse of the law, not the people. I tell you, the cost people pay for ignorance is a high one. And a lot of this comes from people who have too much pride to admit that they may be wrong. And they need to try something else because the life they are living now is not working out so great for them. The only thing that pride can do for us is unlock the gates of hell. That's what pride can do for us. Unlock it and throw us in. If we would only learn to humble ourselves before God, He would lift us up and, uh, and away with the and, and push away the seeds of ignorance that's trying to grow within us. Consider James chapter 4, verse 10, which says, Humble yourself before the Lord, and He will lift you up. It didn't say know everything and he will lift you up. It says humble yourself before the Lord and he will lift you up. You can go home today and go into your prayer closet wherever you pray and humble yourself before God and admit to God that I don't know it all, Father, and I'm going through some tough times, but I know that you are able to lift me up and I give my life to you. Every inch of my life I give to you. And God will you up today, not tomorrow, not next week, but today, when you humble yourself, God will instantly lift you up. There's too much pride in our world today. Pride breeds war. It breeds unhealthy relationships in our families. It brings unhealthy relationships between husband and wife. It breeds un un unhealthy relationships between neighbors. Pride, pride, pride. I want to, please permit me to show you how this verse came alive for a certain person. The verse is, humble yourself before the Lord and he will lift you up. There's a movie called The Darkest Hour. Some of you might have saw it. It is about Winston Churchill, the Prime Minister of England. 
at the time. And in his darkest hours, during World War II, when England was on the verge of being invaded by Hitler and the German army. Prime Minister Churchill was all by himself. He refused to give in to the Germans. But his, his officials who were around him were asking him to surrender to Hitler. He refused, but he was growing weak. And he was thinking about doing what they asked him to do. Thinking about it. You see, when you're all by yourself and there's no support coming from you, you grow weak and you grow weary. Now, I don't know if he was a religious man or not. I don't know that to be a fact. But I do know that God touched him in a special way. So as he was growing weaker and they tired of him to give his speech to the parliament, and as he got in his chauffeur-driven car and on his way to the parliament building, when they came to a subway station, he told the driver to let him out. And the driver was kind of confused. He got out of that car and he went into the subway station. Never been in a subway station in his life. Didn't even know how much it cost to get in the subway station because after all, he's the prime minister of England. He's chauffeur driven everywhere. But something told him to get on the subway because he was having conflicting thoughts in his mind of what is he going to tell the parliament? Do we give in to Hitler? And he was all by himself and nobody would help him. And as I say before I go on, that it is at these times when we're all by ourselves and we can't find a way out and, and nobody wouldn't, it's a time that God shows up. So he gets on the subway and he gets, he comes and gets on the subway and the people are looking at him because they realize this is the prime minister and they're, they're wide-eyed and what, in other words, what is he doing on the train? But he comes and he sits down and he starts hugging people. And then he asks the people a question. He doesn't know these people. These are just ordinary people on the subway. But he asks them a question. He says, what should I do? The prime minister of England on a train of nobody asking them, what should I do? Talking about the war between Hitler, who was at his very doorstep. What should I do? The people were saying, don't give up, don't give up, don't give up. And he heard them to some extent. And then way in the back of the train, he heard this crying. And, a, and this little child saying, screaming, don't give up, don't give up, don't give up, Prime Minister, don't give up, we can win, don't give up, don't give up. A nine-year-old girl. And he goes over to this girl and 
tears are down her eyes and she says, don't give up, Prime Minister, please, don't give up. And she hugged him. And it was at that moment that he realized no matter what happened, no matter what happened, he was not going to give up. God touched this nine-year-old girl to touch his heart and to touch his soul. She didn't know anything. All she knew was that she wasn't, didn't want her prime minister to give up. He wrote her name down. He wrote all the names of the people down in there. He come out of that subway like a bright, sunshiny day. He understood what was going to happen, and he walked to the parliament. Didn't ask for a chauffeur driven. He walked to the parliament and walked right up to the parliament, and he says, whether you're with me or not, I am not going to give up. And the reason I'm not going to give up, and he read this list of names of all the people on the subway. They have faith in me, and I'm not going to give up. And he, got a, and he went on to make this speech, and he got a standing ovation of this great speech that he gave in Parliament. And you know the rest. They were not invaded, all because of a nine-year-old girl who saved the country, a nation. That's how God works. That's how God works when you humble yourself. A child can tell us what to do. A child can do it. And all the degrees and all the diplomas that we have, a child can stand up and say something and it will click. Thank you, Jesus. But because of Mr. Churchill's humbleness, because he was willing to bow down to a child, England was saved. You see, if Mr. Churchill was a prideful man, he would not have listened to that little girl. He humbled himself, and God lifted him up, just like James 4.10 says. Humble yourself, and God will lift you up. So God uses this little girl. You see, a lot of times we see our children, we kind of poo-poo them away sometimes. But it behoves you to listen to children when they talk. Listen to them because God just might be speaking to them to tell you something that you didn't know. You see, the seeds of ignorance do not bother children as much as they bother adults. Because pride does not play a big part in their young lives. All they want to do is play. If you want to know who you really are, ask a child who you really are, and they will tell you the truth. They will not beat around the bush and try to keep you from looking bad. They will just blast us and say, well, you know, you're so-and-so, you're like this, I don't like you because you do this here. They will tell you what other people won't tell you. Don't poo-poo the children away. Mark chant, Mark, the Gospel of Mark chapter 10, verses 13 and 16, says this here. 
Some people brought children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them, but the disciples scolded the people. When Jesus noticed this, he was angry and said to his disciples, Let the children come to me, and do not stop them, because the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. I assure you that whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child will never enter it. Then he took the children in his arms and placed his hands on each of them and he blessed them. Let the children come to me. And in order for us to enter the kingdom of God, we have to have a mind like a child. And a child, when they, when they, they depend on their parents for everything. And in the same manner, we have to depend on God for everything. Now the Pharisees were bragging on how no one in their group believed in Jesus, but there was a breakthrough coming. I said there was a breakthrough coming. I said there's a breakthrough coming. <laughs> how many have had a breakthrough? <laughs> and there's a breakthrough coming from someone in their own group. <laughs> He is not just any Pharisee, but he's one of the great teachers of the Pharisees, and you'll see that in John 3, whose name is Nicodemus. The text tells us in verse 50 through 52, one of the Pharisees there was Nicodemus, the man who had gone to see Jesus before. He said to others, according to our law, we cannot condemn people before hearing them and finding out what they have done. Well, they answered, are you also from Galilee? Study the scriptures and you will learn that no prophet ever comes from Galilee. He is Nicodemus, a great teacher, by the way, the first time in John 3, he went to him by cover of the night because he didn't want all the other Pharisees to see him going there. It's like some people today, you know, some people don't want other people to know they're going to church, or some people don't want other people to know they're going to Bible study. But God says, if you, are, if, you are, uh, if, if you don't profess me before the world, then I won't profess you before my Father who's in heaven. Consider this. Here is this great teacher of Pharisees, Nicodemus. He has this understanding that there's something different and special about Jesus, and his heart and his spirit won't let him rest until he finds out. That's why we go to Bible school a lot of times, because we go and we go when it's raining, when it's snowing, or whatever. Because there's something inside that says you need to go, you need to find something out. You need to learn something, you need to go, you need to go. That's why we read our scriptures, because we need our scriptures at home. We read our scriptures because there's something in it that, 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 that can help us. There's something that can help us. So here's Nicodemus. He's in an awkward position because he's a great leader, and he's got these Pharisees who don't believe, but he's on a cusp of a breakthrough. He knows that there's something special about Jesus because he heard him in John 3, and what he heard, he cannot forget. He can't forget what he heard, nor can we forget what Jesus tells us. It's just something that you just can't forget. Well, what makes him different from the other Pharisees? Well, he's been to Bible study with Jesus. 
That's what makes them different. And he took time to listen to the words of Jesus. And he listened with an open heart, not being prideful. We have so many excuses why we can't do this and why we can't do that. Well, I can't go to church because I, I have to do this. Well, I can't go to Bible study I got to do this. Let me tell you something. Newsflash here. The only thing that really matters in your life is, is, is the name Jesus. Because once you leave this life, there is no other chance. You won't find Kroger's on the other side of this life. You, you won't find the beauty shop on the other side of this life. You won't find any auto mechanics on the other side of this life. The only thing you'll find outside of this life is Jesus and his holy angels and God. That's all. You won't find none of that on this earth. You won't find Comerica Bank on this other side because you don't need no money. God is saying the only thing that should be important in your life now is getting to have a relationship with my son. Because if you don't, watch this now, if you don't, Jesus says in, in, in John 8, if you don't believe in me, then you will die in your sins. And the only thing worse than dying is dying in your sins. Dying in your sins is worse than death. Worse than death. Because there's no hope for recovery. No hope at all. Well, Pastor, you say that. I'm, not, I'm only saying what the scripture tells me to say. Read it for yourself. Pride. 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 He listened. Nicodemus listened. Not with a prideful, opinionated attitude. But he listened, and while he was listening, and I want you to watch this here. While he was listening, Jesus, the words of Jesus were speaking, going through his ear. And then it traveled down through his mind, it wrapped itself around his mind. And, and even then, he still couldn't understand too well, he knew something. But then it started to descend into his heart. And when it got into the heart, when the word of God gets into your heart, when it gets there and it establishes a foundation there, you are hooked. You are hooked. Because all that all you want to do is read God's word. All you want to do is study God's word. All you want to do is pray. All you want to do is praise God. Because God has opened up your heart and it's giving you understanding and wisdom so you can understand what you're reading. And it lifts you up and it lifts you up to the, the highest. Because once God's word speaks to you, once it speaks to you, you will never be the same again. Never be the same again. You see, a breakthrough comes when we give up our pride and, and we humble ourselves before the Lord and we, and we stop praising and worshiping God. And most of the times when we get the problem, we start thinking about, oh, what was me? And that's the time when we ought to start praising ourselves through our trouble. We ought to praise through trouble. We ought to give God praise. The worse it gets, the more we should praise. We ought to just keep giving Him praise. The worse our situation gets, we ought to lift up our praise and go another notch higher. And if it gets worse, we keep going higher and higher until our prayers reach the doorsteps of heaven. 
see a breakthrough comes when we give up all that pridefulness and, and we humble ourselves. It, it comes when we refuse to let the seeds of ignorance grow in our hearts and minds. It comes when we realize we are nothing without Jesus. It comes when we realize only by God's grace can we go home tonight and get in our warm beds while others are out in the streets sleeping on cardboards. It comes when we realize through God's mercy we can go to Kroger's and buy food sometimes told a hundred dollars or more while there are children in third world countries who are starving to death and a few grains of rice is like a steak dinner to them. It comes when we realize that the seeds of ignorance and pride have made our lives miserable and we are now standing on the verge of great, a breakthrough. If it had not been for God, if it had not been for God, where would we be? But had not been for God. But had not been for God. Breakthrough comes when you were sleeping last night and some disease was trying to get a hold of your body. But God disguised his holy angel and spread it away. That's when a breakthrough comes. It comes when you humble yourself before God and you give your life to God. And say, oh God, help me. I don't know what to do. Just help me. Tell me what to say. Tell me where to go. When a breakthrough comes, breakthrough doesn't come when you're prideful and you know everything. A breakthrough comes when you don't know anything. And you're willing to listen and you're willing to learn. Nicodemus is not the only one that God is willing to give a breakthrough. God says, if you will humble yourselves, I will lift you up. Nicodemus is like a, a human being, just like we were. And if he can lift Nicodemus up, God will lift us up too. If we would only humble ourselves. And so Nicodemus is having a breakthrough moment here in our text. You see, first he went to Jesus at night in John 3. But here he is out in the open with, the, with his defense of Jesus. He has humbled himself. Although he is a great teacher, he realizes that without Jesus, he's nothing. And all his great learning, although it is useful, but cannot save him from entering into the gates of hell, it can save him. And he realizes that. And so he bows down before Jesus. He bows down before Jesus. My brothers and sisters, we have to continue to fight against these seeds of ignorance. We simply cannot allow them to take root in our souls and start to grow there. We just can't do that. Now the cause of, of these seeds of ignorance is an unregenerated heart which leads to unbelief, which leads to spiritual darkness, which leads to spiritual death. Let me say that again. The cause of these seeds of ignorance that might be growing within us are caused by an unregenerated heart, which leads to unbelief, which leads to spiritual darkness, which leads to spiritual death. The Pharisees were simply walking dead men.
I said the Pharisees were simply walking dead men. There are people today who are simply walking dead people. Although they have on $100 suits and $200 dresses and jewelry and all that, they're all dressed up, but they're simply walking dead people. They're spiritually dead. Nicodemus, because he humbled himself before God, God brought him out of the darkness and into the light of Jesus. And his mind was open to receive the truth and eternal life. The enemy that we are fighting is a wise enemy. He's a wise enemy. And he gets us to do all kinds of crazy things. He uses everything he can. He uses our family, he uses our media, he uses television, radio, he uses the newspaper. He uses everything he can to distract us from doing what we're supposed to be doing. But I tell you today, I tell you today, the word of God backs me up. Nothing else matters in this world or the next world but the name of Jesus. One of the reasons why the church sometimes has become powerless because they don't realize what the name of Jesus really means. When we say, in the name of Jesus, I rebuke you. In the name of Jesus, I rebuke you. I rebuke you coming into my home and taking charge of my children and taking charge of my wife or taking charge of my grandmother or taking charge of my neighbor. I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. You see, you have the authority to rebuke him because God has given you that authority. And you ought to use that authority sometimes and stop rebuking instead of giving in to people. And so you need to rebuke him. I rebuke you sickness that is trying to take over my life. I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. I rebuke you. For I am a child of God and God is with me and I rebuke everything you say and everything you do. I simply rebuke you. I refuse to let you take over my mind. I refuse to let you take over my heart. I refuse to let you take over my body. I refuse to let you take over my home. I refuse. I simply rebuke you in the name of Jesus Christ who is my Lord and who is my Savior. We have to do that, church. We are the church of the living God. We are the church of the living God, and God has given us power, and he's given us authority. And so we ought to start using that power and authority to live the kind of life that God wants us to live, and to help others live the kind of life that God wants them to live. We ought to start 
passes on. We may not see it now, but when we leave this life and the next life, you will see what I'm talking about. God is able to lift us up no matter how low we are. It doesn't matter if we have a college diploma or we have no diploma at all. It doesn't matter if we're employed or not employed at all. It doesn't matter if we have a place to stay or not have a place at all. God is able to lift us up whatever situation he finds us in. It doesn't matter to God. He can lift us up. Tell me, church, we ought to realize we got to realize who we are and start, and we start to kind of stand if we need to stand up who we really are. We're children of the Most High God. That's who we are. Yes, I was born in the flesh. I was born in the flesh in January. But then again, I was born in the Spirit in June. Spiritual child of God. Pharisees, the Pharisee mind. God is able to lift anybody up. Anybody. And as I close, oh, I'm so glad. Oh, I'm so glad I'm going to this. Oh, I'm so glad. Oh, I'm so glad I'm going to this. Oh, God has been good to me. Oh, somebody help me.
hands up, y'all. Somebody grab their hands up, y'all. Come on. Come on, grab somebody's hand up, y'all. God has been good. God has been good. God doesn't want to sit on one side and up on the other side. God said we're all together, all his children. We're going to praise God today. We're going to praise God today. Somebody grab somebody's hand. Come on up here. Come on, grab somebody's hand. We got a new beginning today. We got a new beginning today. Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. Grab somebody's hand today. Come on. This is what a church is supposed to look like. This is what a church is supposed to look like. We're all together. We're all together here. We're all together. Oh God, we thank you today. We thank you today. We forgive, forgive us, Father, for what we thought we was. Forgive us for thinking we were the church. But we know that this is what the church is supposed to be like. And so we thank you, Father. We're all together here, Father, grabbing one another's hand. We don't even know who the person's hand we grabbing is. We don't know their name, but we know that you know them because you created them. And so here we are, Father. Here we, are. we bless your holy name today, Father. We ask that you rain down, rain down, rain down your spirit, oh God. Rain down your spirit on us, Father. And let help, help us to become the church. Help us become the church of the living God. Help us, Father, become the church of the living God. Help us to hug somebody. Help us to tell somebody we love them. We don't have to know them to love them. We don't have to know them, but you love them, and so we love them too. Help us, oh God, to be the kind of church. God, if we prepare to leave here, Father, when we get ready to leave here, Father, we ask, oh God, that when I'm too praying here today, that we will hug one another, Father, and that we will seriously tell each other that we love you. Thank you. It is in the blessed, holy, and the matchless name of Jesus that we say thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And everybody together says, Amen. Amen. Now, church, you're going to hold up. 